0: Shabbat shalom. shalom. For a Shabbos treat, I thought I'd start with a folk tale. King Solomon pronounces the name of God, and suddenly his carpet becomes magic, and starts to ride into the heavens. Soon after he takes flight, King Solomon boasts that he now rules all of creation, and the carpet begins to fall. The winds refuse to save him until he grows more humble. Nevertheless, King Solomon flies for ten days, although lower to the ground than when he had started, and he spies a mysterious castle below and descends. He enters through the gate to a pavilion made of precious jewels and follows a long stairway down, down, down underground, where he finds more treasure in a room full of strange statues, with one realistic-looking statue of a man sitting at a table. Suddenly, all the statues in the room come menacingly to life. King Solomon speaks the name of God, and the statues become quiet. And still, King Solomon notices that there is something written around the seated statue's neck. It states, Once I was a mighty ruler, but I succumbed to the angel of death. Know this, nothing remains of a man's possessions but a good name gained through the acts of a humble heart. King Solomon then understands why he has been led to this place. If I were to say that someone was a humble man or woman, what connotations would come up for you? Would you think that that person was successful, high-achieving, or well-known? Often, when we think about humility, we tend to think of a humble person as one who is behind the scenes or unable to take, pla- take their place in the limelight. Yet, just like the message King Solomon was given at the end of the folktale, the rabbis would argue that greatness and humility go hand in hand. We might look to someone in our day like Ali Wiesel as providing a good model of this as he was both deeply humble and incredibly influential in his work. And if we look to the Torah, we see this in the figure of Moses. Moses was not labeled as brave, strong, famous, or beloved, although these were no doubt qualities that he had. Instead, Moses was called Ish-anav, a humble man. And it was even because of his humility that God favored him. Judaism teaches that humility in the face of plenty is a sign of greatness. This week's parashah speaks directly to this. We read, When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses to live in, and your herds and flocks have multiplied, and your silver and gold have increased, and everything you own has prospered, Beware, lest your heart grow haughty, and you forget Adonai your God, that it was Adonai your God who freed you from the land of Egypt, the house of bondage, and you say to yourselves, my own power and the might of my own hand has won this wealth for me. Before the Israelites are even able to establish a homeland of their own they are warned against excessive pride. They are warned against taking all the credit for achievements that do not belong solely to them. This message sounds quite prophetic when we think about our current reality. We live in a culture focused on me. We seem to be the center of our own universes. And we like to claim all the credit for our achievements. When things are going well, it is difficult to remain humble. We tend to attribute our good fortunes to our intelligence, strength, personality, and cunning. In our competitive cultural mindset, we build a case to prove that we are, in fact, uniquely fabulous. We focus on promoting ourselves, tapping into our ego strengths, and selling our ability. We dress for success. We boast on Twitter. We share illusions of perfection on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. We have developed powerful tools for oversharing carefully curated aspects of our lives. Social media plays a game with our sense of pride. It gives us the tools to easily airbrush ourselves into public personas. One that highlights our self-importance and doesn't leave any room to express humility. But our achievements are not the product of our hard work and egos alone. We know this. But it is hard to guard against arrogant and puffed-up pride when we are in a good place in our lives. We all experience this, and when it happens to me, I think of a Jewish teaching, one that tells us we are to carry two slips of paper, one in each pocket. One says, for my sake, the world was created, and the other, I am but dust and ashes. Who we are, is in balance between these two truths. Rosh Hashanah is just over five weeks away. With the observance two weeks ago of Tisha B'Av, a day set aside for communal mourning, we have already begun the season of soul-searching that leads to teshuva, repentance. Now is the time to begin to do a self-assessment. Where have we fallen short? in our commitments to those who we love or who depend on us, to ourselves? What must we make amends for? So that when we come to the high holidays, we have already started the hard work of teshuva. This is a messy process of sincere self-reflection based on honest assessments of ourselves, warts and all. And in order to engage in this process, we need to begin with a sense of humility. After all, if we are operating from our inflated egos, we are not tuning in to our most honest inner voices. Why is humility so difficult for us? There seem to be two inherent problems. The first is that we want people to think well of us, and frankly, we are the product of our well-developed egos, Just like when we were five years old, we want others to approve or applaud for us. But what would happen if we started to think of our achievements as gifts? Not as bullet points for our resumes, rather as gifts that we are fortunate enough to get to bring into the world. As we read in this week's Torah portion, when everything you own has prospered, recognize that all of this comes from God. Our individual achievements are gifted to us, and in turn, are gifts to the world. As a Hasidic master teaches, you have no independent self and are contained in the Creator. Everything, everything is a part of divinity. In other words, just because I made the touchdown, it doesn't mean that I did it alone, without the team, and without those supporting the team, and without the raw materials from up above. Second, we might confuse humility with denigrating ourselves rather than providing a fuller picture of who we are. But as Jewish scholar Jacob Newsner says, a Jewish definition of humility is a clear understanding of one's strengths and weaknesses, which increases, increases the potential for a greater character. The Talmud compares the Torah to water. For just as water only runs downhill, never uphill, the Word of God can only be heard in a humble heart. We don't need to boast about our abilities, nor get mired down in our weaknesses, rather, take in the whole package of who we are. When we are in touch with our humility, we are better able to tune into a more spiritual dimension to our lives. This is an important message for this time of the year when we begin the process of teshuva. We can best do this from a place of humility. So while humility is inherently challenging to us, if we cultivate as a practice and a stance humility, we may find that humility is a great place of strength. Shabbat Shalom.